Hello and welcome to episode 746 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, October 17th. I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, we're back from a big weekend in Arizona. How you doing? Uh, feeling a little, you know, like hungover, like like let down because I'm no longer in Arizona. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I've been a little sick, to be honest. It, it isn't something... I don't get sick very often, like the I'm in bed laid up for you know two, three days type of deal. But I, I feel like I am going through a little something because at first I was like, what, what's going on? Man? Body aching and all that. And uh, maybe you'll hear I'm a little stuffed up. I think, I think I'm just a little under the weather since we've gotten back. Um, great weekend as always. Uh, I did something to you that was really awesome. And... Um, I'm surprised that you showed up for this podcast after what I did. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm feeling like uh, it, it's funny because people ask me what it's like to sleep as little as I do and move around kind of my sleep schedule as much as I do. And I tell them it, I feel constantly jet lagged um, because I'm always kind of changing my hours and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to come off of like five straight days where I got to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you were actually getting real sleep and everything yeah, and then but go back to I'm my surprised schedule so you you haven't been sleeping much since I slow rolled you right oh 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 that's what we're talking about i yeah. totally forgot about this uh yeah yeah everyone out there paul's a jerk uh paul paul's a piece of garbage dude i played some devastatingly bad poker and succeeded in spite of it including gruesomely slow rolling you um to to basically win win our little freeze out we do we do nine man t- ten man freeze out sometimes it's two tables and we combine but usually they're nine man ten man one table types and um, I'm just gonna be real with you dude in 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 the midst of the awful poker I kind of lost sight of where I was and you, you just let's be honest throw. there was another table starting up and you wanted to go over to that table so well, you could play another one true and but you, you I, called I then like an inside straight when i had top pair your straight made you or made me two pair and yes. I, you didn't even realize it correct yeah. correct and that's what that's where the devastating slow roll came mm-hmm. uh was because I was thinking I just hit two pairs. I was like, "That's not," and it was low. It would have been lower than yours based on what I thought I had. Then I flipped it over. I was like, "Oh God, I have the straight. I win. I have the nuts." <laughs> so yeah, I'm a piece of garbage, and yeah. I did not play very good poker. Yeah, and um, I won, and that's that's how that's how it that's goes how in a given goes night. Yep, yeah. that's you know, in one particular night, you can make the wrong plays and and still be. And, and still be rewarded for it. Like um, I can't be too mad because that's pretty much how I've gone through life. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was funny because uh, sitting with with Siege, and uh, you know he was kind of kind of railing and showing him my cards and everything, and he's like, he probably thinks I am the. He's like, this guy ever play poker? He's one of the he's one of the new guys, right? That he's never played poker. I'm like, actually, used to play it for a living. How <laughs> pathetic is that? My brain is melting. But anyway, we had a blast, dude. Arizona was awesome. I, I was actually just reminiscing about the weekend yesterday and just like how great it is when you're walking through the lobby and you just see the pockets of different conversations of people just talking baseball in the middle of the fall, warm weather, 
It's great. Matt Modica, congrats to him on his massive NFBC season um, as a way of, you know, uh, giving back a little bit. He catered excellent Little Miss oh, Barbecue. That was awesome. And it was amazing. He bought um, Rob Silver a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Which the, uh, the group of them polished off mm-hmm. in a matter of hours. Um, there was a little sports bar right across from the hotel that worked out perfectly because this is the first year. If you guys don't remember um, or, or you know have never been, haven't really been paying attention to us talking about it, this is the first year that the Arizona Fall Leagues had the Fall Stars game in the middle of the month. Thus, our conference has been moved to the middle of the month, which means playoffs. So we're usually just uh, all Arizona Fall League. Well, this time around, there was kind of a tough decision. Like, do you want to watch the playoff game or do you want to watch the Arizona Fall League game? And a couple of times I made the decision the other way to watch the baseball game because the bottom line goes back to what I was just saying. You just want to be in a group talking baseball with people, whether that's at the ballpark or at the bar where the where the major league game is on. It didn't really matter. So I kind of split my time between the two. Bottom line, brilliant weekend. A lot of first timers out. I think the vast majority of them enjoyed it and, and that our hype was not unmet. I, th- I think we properly I, hyped I, it. I feel like we, or you and other people, just kind of slow rolled the hype because uh, it, it, like, I'll tell people, like, don't get me wrong, I, I love the conference portions of this. You know, it was really cool to kind of listen. Eno's talk was great. Uh, yep. I love the factor flukes, they were awesome. But, like, the real benefit to this is being able to sit down with some of the smartest people in the industry and just have a conversation. That's what I'm saying. That's, I, like, the conference itself is brilliant, mm-hmm. 100%. Wouldn't change a thing. Continues to get better every year. But just being able to chat folks up, yeah. and, you know, I know I went out first as a an attendee, you know, just, just an average Joe, if you will. And so you have that little bit of like being starstruck of, oh, my God, I read this guy. You know, I, I, I use starstruck very loosely. Uh, we're not stars. I'm but, a star. But, yeah. but people treat us, you know, they're like, ah, you know, oh, my God, we listen to the show and I don't want to, you know, it's like, hey, we're just we're just baseball dorks like you. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a blast, dude. It was so yeah. great having you out there. I spent six hours one night sitting with Rob Silver and Matt Bodica just picking their brains. Which and, is like, the right thing to do. Yeah, that's like that. That right there was like worth the trip in itself. Just that one conversation, and then I had, you know, probably twenty or you know other conversations just like that with other people, and it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said, I love a lot of the information we got in terms of the organized stuff, but man, the unorganized stuff. I think I was up till three o'clock in the morning every morning. Same. Just talking. same. The, well, the very first night, Thursday night, I. I I left a little early, so I didn't stay up that late, but then ended up staying up that late in my room anyway, working on a piece to post on Friday. So, um, but I, but I would have stayed up those extra hours, finished the piece had I stayed down there until three. So I had to go up that first night on Thursday, but then Friday and Saturday, just late nights, and it was great. You guys got to get out there and and frankly, you know, talk to some of. Um, Talk to some of uh, Justin's guys at Friends with Fantasy Benefits who are first timers. Uh, you know, reach out to like a, a Scott Chu and Eric Cross. See how they felt as first timers. If you don't, if you think we're just hyping it on our own, I mean, Justin was a first timer, but like, all you have to do is talk to some of the people who are first timers and don't, you know, haven't been promoting it the way I have. If you think I'm just promoting it to promote it, 
I promise you, the first timers will. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't talk to Scott Chu unless you want to hear all about fantasy curling. I did want to hear which, about it though, and it was which great. Just, which just launched its first podcast. Of course it did, which is amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, meeting meeting so many new people was was great too. Made a lot of new friends this year. Uh, second year in a row, new attendance record. But anyway, enough gushing. It was great. Get your calendars set. It's probably going to be a similar time schedule next year, middle of October. So if you guys can finagle some things around to get out there, make it happen. But let's get into some news, and then we're going to talk about our 2020 NFBC drafts that we, we uh, did out there. We were in separate drafts, which I think was the right move because then we could kind of talk about the two different drafts. They're 50-round drafting holds. Y'all did 21 rounds. We did 23 and we'll get into those momentarily. But first, Joe Madden inks with the Angels. That was pretty much expected. It was all about, you know, when was it just going to be official? That seemed like a match made in heaven there. Uh, and then Buck Showalter is a candidate, a strong candidate for the Mets and Philly. A couple old school guys. getting Old school meaning, uh, well, I, I don't know. Established guys, I should say. They're not necessarily old school. They both are open to new stuff. But I'll start with Madden in... Anaheim with the Angels. Do you like this move? I, I guess <laughs> I don't. I don't put a ton of a uh, ton of weight into managers nowadays. I don't uh, either. A lot of information but, and, and moves get fed to them through. But I think uh, it's a positive move. Yeah, it's not a negative move. And I mean, really, I mean, was there going to be a move that they could make? I guess there probably are moves that would make things worse for them. I mean, they could have got the guy that your team's looking at. <laughs> yeah, could end up with Mike Matheny like my Giants might. Yay! Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless unless you're hiring someone that is like truly atrocious, like Mike Matheny, uh, th- I'm not super worried about it one way or another. I mean, I, I, I guess I, we I we look at stolen base trends and kind of see, you know, you know where you know some of these established managers have been uh, in terms of. Uh, you know, team stolen bases. Sure. Uh, and we but can look at some starting pitching usage and some some. I think some bullpen usage. usage. Yeah, 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 because with Madden specifically, he's been known to not really marry a closer. Mm-hmm. So those that are kind of getting on that Hansel Robles train, should they maybe peel back a little bit? Uh, I think maybe a little. We start to peel back a little bit. I mean, we also know that this is a team that probably is looking to spend money. Uh, they've got some money coming off the books. Uh, and they spend it on one guy for sure. Yeah, though you wonder how much of this off-the-field stuff, the news you know, coming out about Tyler Skaggs, may affect their off-season plans. Sure. I mean, so far, obviously it hasn't, but... Uh, you know, if they're if they're going to be under investigation, uh, that that could definitely deter free agents from wanting to sign there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean, Madden was or the the Cubs were second to last in stolen bases this year, wow, uh, in the league. So that's something that is a bit concerning, though they don't have necessarily a ton of burners on that team, anyways. Yeah, I mean, Trout might be the only guy that really well, takes I mean, a on hit the Cubs, there, but. I mean, oh, Joe oh. Adele is a big, you know, that, he, he could he could lose some value maybe with this. Yeah, uh, I was, was going to bring know, him up. And I'm on the I'm on the Joe Adele hype train as I always have been. So uh, Same. that but could yeah. you know, but it's not like the Angels were necessarily Angels were 18th in stolen bases this year. They weren't like at the top anyway. So I don't think it's a massive move for them one way or another. Yeah, 
I agree. I think I think it was a positive move, solid move, nothing crazy. Back up the truck for for Garrett Cole. I really do think that's the right move. Um, I don't always advocate for the for the top top dog as far as agent moves. So a lot of times it's better to spread the money. I do think in this particular instance that backing up the truck truck for Garrett Cole and allowing them to push down um, Otani Heaney. Uh, Canning and Sandoval a spot really helps. I mean, they've lacked an ace since Jared Weaver. Any any semblance of an ace, right? They got one year out of Garrett Richards. Um, they got like a, a a Matt Shoemaker year that you could fake as like a as like a frontliner, but not really an ace. They need a premium frontliner that they can rely on because they've been going through seven, eight, nine, ten pitchers a year for the last several years. So we'll see what they do there. Uh, Buck Showalter, like I said, a big candidate for the Mets or Phillies. Uh, I know Carlos Beltran has basically said Mets or bust. And so this, my next question was going to be, are our teams trending back toward the classic establishment manager? Of course, with Beltran, he would be, he would be the other way, but we are hearing a lot of different names. You mentioned Matheny, uh, Ron Washington, Dusty Baker. <laughs> so I will still ask, even though that just cause they might be trending back toward it doesn't mean that there's not going to be any new former players joining the ranks like uh, Carlos Beltran, but are teams trending back toward the classic established manager? I think some teams that have uh, maybe tried, you know, the new guy and it didn't work out may move back towards that way. I I still think that a lot of front offices are going to want to keep kind of control. I mean, there was a lot of talk about how Bochy was the last, like, kind of call-your-own-shot type of manager, but even he took a lot of information from the front office. So... I don't think that these organizations are doing this if they, if they go in these directions of the established guys are going to be like, okay, it's your team. Go ahead and run it. Uh, yeah. I think it's still going to be, hey, this is the plan. This is what we want to do. It, again, it, you know, a guy like Showalter didn't steal a ton towards the end in Baltimore. I mean, I think we had that, that year where, like, the Orioles didn't steal more than, like, 22 bases or something <laughs> like that as a yeah. team. Like the year after Machado stole twenty, um, when he went to back down to like zero or five or something. Yeah, he went down to zero, and the team as a whole didn't steal more than like twenty five. So uh, that would be a little concerning to me uh, for the guys, you know, on the on the Phillies, on the Mets, uh, if he ends up there in terms of stolen bases. But I think that these teams are, are looking for kind of guys uh, ways to inspire players and, and like who, yep. who, who can manage personalities the best. And some of the, these old guys have just respect walking into the dugout. So it's, it doesn't surprise me to hear guys like Dusty Baker and Showalter and Ron Washington kind of getting a little bit of pub, but uh, ultimately I, I, I really don't care that much other than yeah, Mike I- Matini not going to the Giants. I tend to agree with 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 all of that as far as how it breaks down. We'll look at it a little bit from a steal standpoint when these guys land, and maybe the save standpoint. But other than that, it's not going to change too much. Um, I still think maybe on like the Phillies, the guys who were double digit guys like Kingery, Segura, and Harper could still get there, but they might be kind of capped around that ten to fifteen that they had this year. Um, if if Showalter goes to New York. Maybe your Ahmed Rosario train, those of you on it, slows down a little bit because, you know, because some of the some of the hype on him is he could really get 25 plus if he tightens up his uh, decision making because he was 19 for 29 this year on the basis. I don't know if Rosario gets 29 opportunities next year. So 
just keep that in mind. But other than that, I agree with Justin. Not going to do too much as far as uh, decision-making there. A little bit of playoff stuff. Congrats to the Nats making the World Series. Two times, you know, in, in their first two, I don't want to say the wild card is not a series, but in the wild card game and then in the, the Dodgers series, they look dead at different times. And then it's just crazy how you can look dead and then flip on a dime and go decimate the LCS. That, I mean, that's how baseball goes, man. We've been seeing it for years. So um, congrats to them. I, I know everyone's saying that, oh, they're just going to be the sacrificial lamb for the AL team. I disagree. I, I think that the AL team will rightly be favored, but the idea that the Nats cannot win to me is, is stupid personally. But um, let's talk ALCS quickly. Game four rained out yesterday. That will now play four days in a row should they require all seven games. Who does the game four rain out help more and why? I think the game four rain out hurts the Nationals more than it hurts or helps oh. either the Yankees or the Man, Astros. you went off the board. Yeah. Well done there. I, I was I was thinking just on New York and uh on New York and uh, the Astros and you went you went to the Nats there. Okay, the, talk to us about that. The longer this series goes and obviously it's extended at least one day because of this, uh the uh the the longer the layoff is, uh guys kind of get out of rhythm. Baseball is a rhythm game. Yeah. It, it's you know, it's all about repeating, you know, the same motions and uh, if, especially if this game starts trending towards six or seven games, uh, see it starts trending towards six or seven games, I think it really benefits the American League team kind of coming in. I know, I know the Nationals will be quote unquote fresh, uh, nah, but they, I, I don't think they will be though. They'll be stale. Yeah, and you know how I know because I'm a Tigers fan, dude. <laughs> and we swept both LCSs mm-hmm. while the other team went like six or seven. Yep. And you can't quantify it, okay? I get it. it it's more of a, a narrative feel type of deal. And like I say, narratives are stupid, but I'm still, I'm, but, I still, I've seen this happen way too many times where, like, these teams in in one of one of the leagues uh, is having a battle. The other one sweeps in quickly, and then yes, but they just look flat footed in in games one and two. And uh, I mean, I guess it's not as big of a deal for the Nationals, who will be the you know be the away team, whoever. They face. They're either going to go to New York or they're going to go to uh, Houston. But uh, you don't want to start down to these teams. You want to steal a game or two, like they did against the Cardinals. So uh, I, I think I, I think the bigger uh, news on this on this rainout and how long the series is going to go uh, is for the Nats rather than the American League teams. I think in That's terms a of good call. just these two American League teams. I think it's it obviously benefits the Yankees in the short term. I, I don't. I, I think the fact that they've gone through so much bullpen in in the early part of the series, it's nice for them to kind of get a break and uh, see. But that's where it then flips to hurt them now because they play four days in a row, and if they're yeah. getting six, seven plus innings out of the bullpen every day to have to play four days in a row, I think it ends up hurting them. But they have to win this game. Like if they don't, yes. if they don't win here, they're pretty much done. So. Uh, you, you worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, they needed. They need to win Game Four, uh, and getting that extra day before Game Four, I think, definitely helps them. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to matter either way. I think Houston's the better team. And uh, okay, and, I was going to say pick one. So you're yeah, picking Houston still? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I picked Houston and Washington. I think at the beginning of the season. So had a baby. Um, I wish I good bet on it, but so who do you got then? If that plays out and it is Houston, Washington, who do you got in how many games? Oh man, I think Houston is the better team. 
Sure. However, I, I f- feels like Washington is a team of destiny. It just, Aren't they though? I mean, d- again, this feels very much like 2010 San Francisco Giants-ish. Like, obviously, not the best team in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, but things all clicked at the right time. Got hot. I mean, you could say the same thing, but 2012 Giants. Uh, they got hot at the right time, and that pitching, especially the front part of that rotation. I mean, the one nice thing about them having the time off is they can reset that rotation to what they want. Exactly. I mean, they almost got a no-hitter out of Anibal Sanchez at this point. I mean, at, at, right at that point, it's one game, but if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm quaking. I'm already like, are you kidding me? Because now we got to face all the all the studs. Yeah. And Anibal Sanchez, quality pitcher, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, he was but great. he goes on a near no-no on you. Mm-hmm. And you haven't even touched one of the one of the G's coming forward of Scherzer, Strasburg, and, and, and or Corp. Drop, and then they drop a seven spot in the first inning of each game three and four. Like yeah. that's just they they just have gotten hot at the right time. And so while I think this layoff for them isn't good, I'm still gonna say they hold on to some of this magic and uh they, they win in six. Yeah, they uh they have a good shot. I I really think that the Nationals have a good shot against either of these teams. They'll be they'll be dogs on paper, mm-hmm. but do not count them out. And if you are somebody who handicaps and the odds are good enough, I say, I say go, I say go against the uh, go against the favorite there. Take the Nats, and you know they're not better because they got rid. Like losing Harper did not inherently make them better, as if he were the problem. Yeah, no, but it's still a fun narrative. It's kind of, <laughs> this is kind of this is the Kershaw sucks in the playoff narrative. It's uh. Uh, well, it, it's likely not true, but there's um, one. Uh, is that not getting tougher to defend? I mean, listen, I've been on the like, hang on, let's investigate this, and it's it's you know four batting innings against the Cardinals here, and this and that. It's 158 innings of a 4.43 ERA uh, with a, a 112 WHIP. Great, and even a four four three ERA is not the end of the world, but it's not Clayton Kershaw. Like, yeah, come on. I mean, even in the World Series last year, he was a seven thirty six ERA against Boston. Like, how many times does he have to fail before those on the other side acknowledge that he's not quote unquote underlined bold italics Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think there is a point to be made there. I mean, and I hate saying this as a Giants fan, man. Seeing him after that game. I, I felt brutal for like, him, dude. Dude, like, I mean, this is a guy who has given this organization 10-plus years of everything he's got. Mm-hmm. Like, and has been arguably one of the greatest pitchers of our generation. Oh, if not if not even yeah. inarguably. And, like, like, I mean, dude, it's him, Scherzer, Verlander, right? To, yeah. Dude cannot seem to get like the monkey off his back, whatever it is. I, I don't yeah. know. It just uh, and as much as I don't want to see the Dodgers ever win a World Series, like if I was going to root for a guy, I'd probably root for Kershaw. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate that a Giants fan can can say that because yeah, I mean, he would be pretty heartless not to feel a little bad for him because oh, by all accounts I mean, too, he's also a great dude. Yeah, uh, you know everything positive about Kershaw, and my God, him sitting there on the bench after the. Uh, after he was taken out, was heartbreaking, dude. Oh, I it mean, was it's reportedly like sobbing that he was a choker in the dugout afterward, or in the uh, in, in the clubhouse <sighs> afterwards. Like, just it, it brutal to hear because I mean, this is a guy who's a competitor. He wants to win, and he feels like he should be taking his team on his back and carrying them. And exactly, uh, he feels like 
He should be the guy that they turn to. He'll get he there. He'll, good. I mean, he'll get it. That team is too good for him not to get a championship at some point. I think so, too, and it'll be a great moment for him. But right now, life kind of sucks as far as baseball goes. Overall, life great, still great for him, but it's just as far as baseball, got to be tough. Uh, all right, let's get into these drafts here. Again, these are 15-team draft and holds, 50-rounders. We do. We try to do 23 there, 27 online. Uh, with time being of the essence and wanting to get to the Arizona Fall Stars game, y'all stopped at 20, 21. Yeah, we, we made had, it to we had 23. some problems getting ours going. Uh, there were some problems with the software where it kept just auto-drafting anybody. Oh, no. And so about six different teams got a Ronald Acuna at some point <laughs> in the That's first 10 funny. minutes of the draft because um, they kept having to reset it and then it would auto-draft two or three picks or four or five <laughs> picks. And then, and like, uh, you know, Austin Riley went first overall a couple times. And, sweet, uh, sweet. So, and, and then there was some asshole who kept, like, trying to pick players that were was already taken. Oh, was it you? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah, so um, I even screamed out Paul DeYoung at one point and everybody screamed, He's gone! He's gone. Oh, I heard that, yeah. and I thought you were getting him. I was like, oh, I thought he got I was getting guy. him too. That's hilarious. I was super excited because I was like, man, this dude fell. Uh, he was the problem was, I, I like, I spent time, like, doing, like, getting my ranks and stuff all together, and instead of printing out my positional ones, I printed out an overall, and so it just, it oh, just no. totally left me like scrambling the entire yeah. time. So that's that's tough, uh, and, and it hits you quick too mm-hmm. because. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking a little bit early on here about the depth of like the first four or five rounds, but then you get into that middle, you start to, you know, get out of that fifth round and into the sixth and the heart of the draft. And it's like, uh oh, I need a list. Now. Like, I need something now. You can almost draft from like straight up memory for the first four rounds and, and end up, you know, you might miss a guy here or there, but you're going to end up with four good players. But once you get into that fifth and beyond, it really starts to tighten up, and now you got to know where you're going. So that is tough if you're na- navigating a list that you're not comfortable with. But let's get into it. You're, you were Team 3. I was Team 13. So we're drafting different leagues and opposite ends of the draft. Um, let's start with your league. Went a little chalky right off the rip. Acuna, Trout, Yelich for you, Bellinger, Betts. First pitcher is Cole. Now... We're going to get into your draft specifically, then we can talk some trends in particular, and you can get into different picks that you want to highlight. But what was your strategy going in? Did you have anything set that you wanted to try, and then how did you execute? Yeah, I I wanted to take five hitters in a row and then cobble together a pitching staff. So buck the old get two aces or die. Yeah, well, and I, I think I've talked about this. Uh, already a few times so far, kind of this off season and late into the season, I feel like this upcoming year is a year where the glob of pitchers has really moved up. And so yes, it there, starts sooner. Yeah, I think like SP two, SP threes are kind of a glob this year. So I can feel that. Yeah. If I'm not gonna end up with one of like maybe my top three or four pitchers, I'm probably just gonna wait for a really long time. And and that was putting in this draft was putting that theory to the test that I could pull that off. And I, I feel pretty good about it, especially starting with Yelich. I knew by the time it got back to me that Cole and Scherzer and DeGrom and Bueller and, and Verlander will all be gone. They were indeed. And even Bieber and Flaherty were as well. And so, I mean, right there you've got 
probably the top, you know, arguably the top seven pitchers. I mean, there's there's other guys you can throw in there depending on how you feel about a a sale or Nola bounce back uh, or Blake Snell or, or Severino uh, uh, or Strasburg. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I just once it got back to me, I knew I was definitely going to try to uh, to do this five hitters in a row thing and just see how it played out. So I, I went Yelich. Uh, and then <laughs> drafting a dynasty league team apparently Dude. Uh, with Fernando Tatis Jr. in the second and then uh, Jordan Alvarez in the third. These hitters are hot though, man. You went Yelich, Tatis Jr., Alvarez, and then two of our two of our guys, Matt Olson and Max Muncie. And I just I love that quintet right there. You got the one premium speed in Tatis, a quality speed in Yelich, and then Mashers. Um, is it, did the five work out the way you wanted? Yeah, I wasn't necessarily targeting anybody in general. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Tatis is one of those guys, I think as draft season continues to go on, uh, and we start getting reports about his health and that he's fine, he's going to be ready for opening day and all that. I think there's no chance I'll get him where I got him. Yeah, that was, uh, the third to last pick in the second round so that would be what the 13th pick yeah um so you're talking 28 i think he's definitely going to be higher than that i mean this is we were talking about as a potential end of the first round and you know who went in the first round was mondesi at 12 (laughs) and that was uh the siege um so and i i i I turned around looked at him and i was like don't listen to our next podcast (laughs) (laughs) um so you know he can clown my my poker skills, uh, rightfully yeah. so. But uh, I'm going to clown this pick. I I don't know how you can do that with the shoulder. I think in particular, think let he alone can, he can take that risk because there's no stakes involved in this. Oh uh, yeah, you know fair fair enough. I guess he'd have been there in the second. I maybe the optics of it don't matter because if you just flip Verlander Mondesi, who the hell cares? I guess. Yeah, you know but you could he could have taken Scherzer Mondesi or Degrom Mondesi. Yeah. Uh, uh, that to me, and he, I mean, this, the siege is usually a guy who doesn't take pitching in the first three to four rounds, and so okay. he wasn't even planning on taking Verlander. He just saw him there and grabbed him. So I mean, he could have gone Arenado Mondesi. That that would have been a hot combo right there for sure. So and I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe he go. I mean, the, the guy who was drafting a thirteen took VR in the thirteenth, so maybe he decides seeing Mondesi in, in the first or second round, he grabs him instead. So, I mean, there's obviously a chance that it doesn't work out the way you want, but sure. Uh, I don't know. Because I, team 13, you're saying he took VR in the third, he would have had two cracks at Mondesi and maybe siege doesn't get Mondesi in the second round. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I guess if, if that's your guy, you go for it. But I, I know in that slow, uh, draft champions that started, I think before we left for the Arizona Fall League, uh, mm-hmm. Mondesi went like 55th overall. So like this is a huge split already in terms of his high and low, and I think that's where we're going to see until we start getting reports on his health. Uh, but there's no way I could take him in the first round. Probably the earliest I would even consider taking him is somewhere in the third. Me too, for Mondesi. I, I even third that, is the best I can do right now. I want to see who the uh, who, who the Royal sign as a, a manager. You know, we've talked about Mike Matheny being a guy who doesn't like to push it on the base paths. Uh, 
you know, obviously he'll have more stolen base assets on his team if he is managing the Royals. Uh, like sure. I kind of expect him to, but uh, still scares me a little bit. I, I just think it's it's really, really high for a guy that really depends on the stolen base as a uh, as a weapon and has a sub 300 on base percentage is it for a career. Yeah, exactly. And that, that does uh, make things a bit scary with Mondesi, his labrum surgery, five to six months from uh, from September when he had the surgery. So there's just a lot up in the air right now. He went in with the fourth pick of the second round in my draft. I passed on him twice, uh, drafting from the 13 spot without even blinking. There was no consideration uh, for me to take Mondesi there. I'm just not drafting him early. If I do get any shares, it'll be in the spring when I have a clearer picture of where we're at with him. I, th- I think the time to draft him is right now. The problem, if he's 55th. Yeah, the problem is taking him in the 12th, you know, or the 12th overall does not account at all for like some sort of discount because of the injury. Yeah, like, you don't you don't get anything. You you could potentially be already at this point in the, <laughs> this point in the offseason already giving up your first round pick. Yes, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, I, so uh, I, I'm out on that one. Let's dive back into your club, and let's note also that Team Two was fancying a similar strategy to yours. In fact, they took it a step further. They went seven picks before mm-hmm. their first pitcher. So you have two two teams doing the draft, but at the same end of the draft as well. That's that was the interesting part. But you do finally get your first pitcher at six. It's not even a starter. It's Josh Hader. Was he the first closer off the board? He was the first closer off the board. Uh, there there wasn't necessarily a starter that really jumped out to me at this point, and mm-hmm. I thought about just continuing my run on hitting and seeing how far I really could push it. Uh, but like I, I know closers are going to get pushed down uh, more this year than I think we've seen in recent years. Obviously, I mean, there may be some adjustment to that as – this is pushed down 88 yeah, i mean exactly. that's... it just felt like too good of a deal like you... i got hater in the eighth by the way wow. as the first closer off the board and i felt wow. great about that i don't hate you getting him in the sixth i'll i'll say that for sure but i got him in the eighth so we're twinsies on hater um and i got him two rounds later wow that's uh that's crazy you got some good deals in yours we'll we'll, we'll talk about that next uh i i really um, and mad that you and I, I think took the same <laughs> picture and you got him five rounds later. Than I uh, so I, I, I don't think know. I know who we're talking about, but uh, so. let's get into it here. So your next four picks were starters. Mm-hmm. And again, you say you're just taking what the draft is giving you. You're not targeting mm-hmm. individuals, right? Yeah. I mean, there's obviously guys I have ranked higher than others, uh, but ultimately I just want, I, you know, I haven't really finalized my ranks. I think over the next couple of weeks, I'll, start finalizing and releasing kind of some early ranks and things like that. But ultimately I just kind of, I, I was really torn on glass now versus Charlie Morton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they went, yeah, they went like, like I had tra- both, both these guys more and more. I think I had Morton ranked higher. Um, but for me, like the, the upside of glass now, when I haven't taken a starting pitcher, uh, you know, s- six rounds into the draft, really kind of propelled me. And, I mean, he's a guy that, if healthy, and it's obviously a big if, uh, and if he can keep his mechanics together and not tip pitches, not tip uh, pitches. <laughs> uh, like he could be an SP1. For and sure. I don't and he is Morton is capable well, of that necessarily. I think Morton's 
been SP1 quality the last two years, though. He's been very good. Um, they went you, – you t- so you did take last now, for those that didn't pick up on that. Uh, and then it was Ahmed Rosario and then Morton right after that. So just two picks later, uh, Morton went. You're also taking the guy substantially younger, a 36-year-old Charlie Morton coming off of you know three great seasons, two excellent, excellent seasons. 2017 was pretty good, too. ERA was a little bit higher at 362, but then 313, 305. Brilliant whip, excellent strikeouts. I mean, he was an SP1 the last two years, particularly this year with 195 innings for Charlie Morton. But you're talking 36 years old. Both have health issues. But in that instance, give me the guy who's markedly younger in glass now. So I had no problem with that. You took three more in a row. Give us some insight on on those next three starters to give you four. Yeah, I took James Paxton in the eighth. It was, and then Jose uh, Barrios in, in in the ninth. And these are two guys that I feel like are underrated, which seems weird for a Yankees pitcher, especially in Paxton. Right, uh, like they're unsexy veterans. For some reason, uh, but I'll take it. They're both on really good teams, which gives me, you know, all three of my, actually, all four of my first starting, you know, four uh, starting pitchers. Oh yeah, are on good teams, so like wins will not be an issue for for they, this team. They really shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, strike, you know, strikeouts shouldn't be either. So, uh, you know, you can say whether or not you think my my ERA and WHIP will be great, uh, but I think I'm gonna get a ton of wins, a ton of strikeouts. Uh, and I think this also shows that you can load up on offense in those first four to five rounds and then start taking the starting pitching uh, because it worked out fairly well for me. Yeah, this is – and then you got Domingo Herman in the 10th. So you're starting out Glasnow, Paxton, Barrios, Herman with your top four starters and Hayter stabilizing them and adding more strikeouts. And, and if they use the playoff ball next year, his home run issue I think will tamp down for sure. And so – I think this really worked. Your five and five really worked. I don't think you're you're absolute. You know, I don't think you're behind the eight ball pitching wise here. I think you came out pretty strong. Yeah. So and obviously, uh, I think there there are going to be drafts in which this won't work. I mean, if pitching had gone, pitching didn't go quite as fast as I thought it would. In like, I mean, in rounds two and four, like I really thought that people would really attack pitching. Uh, we saw a number of teams. Uh, like mine that didn't take a pitcher in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. So team two, team three, uh, team seven, team 10, team 13, all didn't take pitchers in the first three rounds, which kind of made my strategy seem, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't zigging as much as uh, I thought I was. So Yeah, uh, there was there was some, some group think there where, where a substantial portion of the draft was saying, now we're going to push this pitching a little bit. Yeah. So uh, that being said, and I also, I mean, ugh, man, Shelley was in this draft and, and Derek Van Riper was in this draft. Both both of them, even though they weren't drafting at the same end as me, uh, necessarily killed me. I mean, of course. It, it, sniping left and right. Yeah. I mean, and, and for those who, I'm assuming we'll link the, these on the uh uh, on the uh, uh, the show notes, but uh, mm-hmm. Team 9 was Derek Van Riper, started Trey Turner, uh, J.D. Martinez, and Kettle Marte. Uh, and then Shelly had Team 13, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, because she took Paul DeYoung um, and Andrew Haney and then smiled <laughs> and, and at And Yeah, and smiled at me. So Freddie Freeman, <laughs> Anthony Rendon, Jonathan VR uh, was her start. Uh, 
it was it was a very tough draft, uh, but I, I think I came out pretty well with a strategy that I'm going to definitely try and repeat a couple times uh, in early drafts and kind of see how it goes. But so far, I'm really liking this idea. If I if I don't get one of my like I said top five to seven aces, I may just end up waiting. Uh, I, I can see that, and like I said, this this is an encouraging data point in in showing that it can work. Uh, Eleven through twenty one, we're not going to go through all of them. You pick some of your favorites here. After I list them out. Joe Adele, you already mentioned being on the hype train. You put your money where your mouth is. Carlos Martinez, Will Smith, the catcher, Malik Smith, Julio Urias, Domingo Santana, Kevin Newman, Anthony Santander. Garrett Richards, Willie Adamas, and Joe Musgrove. Who are a couple of your favorites there in the 11 through 21 range? Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'll start with Malik Smith. I like the all the talk of uh, the the AFL or uh, FPAS and everything was like don't like like get your speed early so you don't have to deal with the Malik Smith types. Yes, I, I agree with that. I get that, but there becomes a point in which like t- this has gone too far. And when Malik I don't think Smith, round fourteen was it though. You don't? No. Oh, I disagree. Now, I will say because and, and and the part of it is is that like his you know two to six homers that you're gonna get are so devastating that uh, is the speed worth it. You're pretty well set up with Yelich, Alvarez, Osuna, Muncie as far as a power base goes, right? Four guys alone are not going to carry your entire team. But you also still have uh, 29 more rounds to draft. But I do like that you have a nice power foundation. If you had a bunch of like 20s type of guys, you know, if you had more of the power speed combos and you didn't have some absolute mashers, I'd probably feel worse about it in general for your situation. I think with your situation, it it, it actually is okay. But I, I agree with the general tenor of not picking these guys. He did lead baseball with 46 steals, though, Malik Smith did. And you got him in the 14th round. Yeah, and not only did he lead baseball uh, with those 46 steals, I mean, he uh, he was really, really hot, <laughs> like, from July on. I think he had 30 yes, stolen bases from, like, the beginning of July on. So but He hit 227. I understand. I get it. So he's, he's, he's... But I'm okay with punting average. And in a league, yeah, you've never been afraid to do that. In, in a league like this, where there is no overall, uh, I, I'm okay punting average. So and it was weird bookends. He hit sub 200 mm-hmm. in April and September, and then 250, 274, 253, 258. I don't think it's unfair to suggest that that's his true talent, mm-hmm. and that's that fair. you know a couple bunk months for Alex really ate up his batting average. Maybe he doesn't get back to the 296 of last year, but 255 to 260 is a if lot more hits, palatable. Yeah, if he even hits 240, that's like a huge win for me. Yeah. So I think that I think that, that can work. Um, I, I don't like the rabbits you've been known to. Mm-hmm. I think at, at 14, it's not so bad. Usually my biggest gripe with them, with the Billy Hamiltons of the world when he was still relevant, was the fact that they were fourth, fifth round guys. Malik Smith in the 14th, Maybe we are getting to a point where it's hey, we're pushing them down too far. So I feel you on that. Who are a couple other guys that you really liked here in your uh, in your final eleven picks? I mean Kevin Newman. Uh, I don't understand. I mean when you take a guy like Malik Smith, you're you're sacrificing some power and average. Obviously, I already had a pretty good power base already set up. 
Uh, but Kevin Newman's a guy that kind of helps uh, make up for that average hit. Yeah, he tips and the scales right back over there. Multi-positional eligible, let off for the Pirates, uh, like a majority of the end of the year. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I think, especially with one of the things I've run into in these draft and holds uh, issues with in the in the years that I haven't done well in them. Uh, is injuries like I, I get hurt yes. and I don't have the positional flexibility to make up. Like there was one year where like I just I I for like three or four weeks straight I didn't have a shortstop to start, and so one of the nice. things yeah one of the things I wanted to do in this draft was to grab at least a few people who had multi position eligibility, try to move be able to move them around a, a little mm-hmm. bit more, uh, and so. Uh, the combination of Muncie and Newman are, are a really good start for that. Yeah, you got Muncie with triple eligibility, Newman with dual eligibility, so you are getting, uh, like you said, getting your start doing that. Um, you did take Joe Adele in the 11th. We did mention him briefly when we were talking Angels. He's not going to start the season, almost almost certainly not going no, to. Yeah, he's good, unless he gets a uh, long-term deal done. I was going to say, unless they, they, you know, they go out, they push hard, they get Garrett Cole – and, you know, Zach Wheeler or something. Like, they go ham, and then they say, well, well, now we need to lock down Adele and get him on the on the opening day roster or something like that. But that's the long shot. You figure you put three, four weeks, you know, you, you, you're looking at five months. But what can he do in five months? What can Joe Adele do for you in five months? Well, and, and this is, again, when you're kind of playing to your format. So we're playing in that in, – in the – you know, 50-player draft and hold. So I'm going to have plenty of bench spots or guys on my bench that uh, can easily fill in for those three weeks. It's not like your typical league where you have, you know, three to seven reserve spots that you got to fill in, and and he's going to eat up one of them for the first three weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is obviously I'm already going to have this planned out once we finish these drafts. Uh, What can he do? I think he could be... A twenty twenty five or twenty five twenty five guy straight off the bat. I think he really can, even even in five months of work. Like and, and, it, it's, and it's that kind of height. We're talking about twenty five twenty five, or maybe maybe the speed won't, you know, you know, with Madden especially. So maybe he's more of like a twenty five fifteen guy. But I think he's that with, you know, potential two ninety three hundred type average. Mm-hmm. And. The, 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 it's a sky-high ceiling for somebody like Joe Adele, and he is that next guy who could really hit the ground running. Um, and the 11th round is not egregious. Now, this is the benefit of drafting in October. That will only go up from here, but I don't know that it's going to – I shouldn't say – I don't want to jinx it, but I don't know that it's going to get to a point where it's like, that's egregious. It's not going to get to Vlad level. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's not- like, I'd be surprised if we saw him jump into the top 100, but I, I think when I've kind of made the decision so far, if I see him around after pick 150, I'm mm-hmm. going to really start thinking about it. Unless I'm trying to fill a specific need, uh, and that specific need is usually going to either be starting pitching or relief pitching because he fills so many offensive categories, uh, then I, I'm probably going to swoop on Adele you know, after pick 150 in most drafts. I think I took him... Right at 150 in my too early mock. Do you remember which one I was in? Was I in four or five? I have no idea. You need to remember everything. Yeah, uh, I, it's five. I need and to I took post one... the too early mocks on fan graphs. <laughs> I keep forgetting yes. to do that. <laughs> uh, but I was at 150 on the button uh, with Adele. 
and very happy to do so. So yeah. I, I share your interest. I think as high as maybe like a 130, I could see myself going for if I feel like I got to establish him there. But if he kind of lives in this 140 to 170 level, I'm going to have multiple shares of Joe Adele. Um, anybody else that stands out before we jump into my draft? Mm, I mean, The pitchers I took kind of in these 11 through 21 range, uh, I really like. Carlos Martinez, I have no idea what his role is going to be. I was going to ask, uh, what's his role? I don't know, but it's either closer or starter, uh, more than likely. So uh, I think there's a really good chance he's the closer coming into next season. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it at AFL. There was, and I, I think I've talked about it on this podcast, uh, there's some issues in terms of getting to the park on time, apparently. Sure. Uh, and that's one of the reasons he was moved into the bullpen. So. Wouldn't surprise me to see if he's uh, see him as a closer, and if that's the case, then I've got Hader and, and Carlos Martinez already set up as my in my top two closers in, in this league. So uh, Urias again, a kind of a role issue, uh, but I think he's valuable. I think it's time to start him, though. Yeah, and I think it's time. It's definitely time to start him, but I also think he is going to return value no matter where he pitches, even if it's in this kind of weird hybrid reliever role. Mm-hmm. So I would, and then, I would agree with that. Garrett Richards is a guy I've always loved. I mean, Can't quit him. Yeah, I mean, I think I picked him to win the 2015 AL Cy Young. Uh, so I just, I'm. I'm is that going. when he, is that when he beat beasted but ripped his knee in Fenway? No, okay, it must have been 2016 that. that I did it. it was, okay, it was the year he got off to a really start, a, hard, a hot start, and then destroyed himself. So, Garrett Richards got hurt. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. Bizarre. So, and then Joe Musgrove, that was like a painful pick. Like it, but it really, dude, it really hurt. Twenty one. Yeah, at that point in the draft, it felt like a really, really nice value. Uh, he's still pitching in Pittsburgh, which is a great place to pitch. Uh, so he went thirteenth in my draft. Yeah, it just it felt like there was no real reason he should be there at that yeah. point. And I know we we were in one of those. Uh, one of those panels, uh, and I think it was Matt Modica, uh, or maybe it was Rob Silver, one of the two, like said, like, never look at ADP and go, oh, this guy, you know, he's too good a value to pass up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with kind of the the idea behind that, but at this point he was just, he was the best pitcher on the board, and I didn't think it was particularly close. So I, yeah, I took a Yeah, I don't think you're doing it. Just on ADP principle alone, you're saying, why is this guy still here? Give him to me. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought that was, you know, I, I still believe. They get a new pitching coach in, in Pittsburgh. Let's see what can happen there. I mean, when you see guys like, uh, actually, in a row, by the way, Nate Pearson, Brendan McKay, Denelson Lamette, and Griffin Canning all going in the 16th round, mm-hmm. and then you're getting Joe Musgrove in the 21st, even though I don't hate those picks, it makes them look bad. Yeah, uh, especially when we're talking about guys like uh, Canning, who I like Canning a lot, and, pe- and there, were, there were a lot of people who talked about Canning all weekend long uh, as a guy they really like. We have no idea what his health situation is coming into the Correct. 2020. Yeah. Like, this is a guy that could be uh, not pitching very much this year because, because of how he ended last year. So... Musgrove, I know he was up and down towards the end of last year. We know he's healthy coming in. They're going to work on some things, try to get that uh, stuff stabilized for him, and, and hopefully they do. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and move over to my draft. Um, I picked from the 13 spot. 
I'll let you take over as far as any sort of questions you want to ask me about the draft. I'll just mention briefly, I did not have a, a set game plan like yours of, um, you know, five and five or anything like that or, or you know, dominate pitching out front. I figured at 13 – now, I usually try to pick a late pick because when we, when we pick it up in January, when the dust has settled, there's usually a handful of guys who have no business being available – in the 24th round because things have changed and that's just a uh, part of the early drafts. And so I like to be drafting early. Ideally I get 15 so I can pick first when that dust settles and we started up back up in January. But um, so I usually pick toward the end. I got 13. I kind of figured I'd be looking at a pitcher and I took JV with my first pick, but what sort of, uh, what sort of inquiries do you have for me regarding my draft? Well, well let's start with that first pick because Justin Verlander is the third starting pitcher off the board. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole won uh, at, at – well, actually, he goes second overall. Uh, yeah. Jacob deGrom goes ninth overall. Uh, you take Verlander over Scherzer, over Bueller, uh, over Bieber, over Flaherty, over Strasburg. Defend yourself. Um, go to his Fangraphs page? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, the only thing – that people can really say about Verlander is age. They can cry age. That's it, though. And I understand having some trepidation about a 37-year-old, but literally nothing in his profile creates concern. Nothing. Not even the home run rate, because they, they're changing the ball again, we think. So, yeah, yeah, we, we, we hope. Um, now, Bellinger went 12th, by the way. And so if he had made it to me, I think I'm taking Bellinger at 12. I, I've been pushing back on the idea that Bellinger's like the lockdown four. But if he's there to me at 13, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm not taking a picture. But, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, JV I'm, was my number one. I'm surprised that Bellinger lasted bro, that long. Like I, I'm sitting there getting giddy thinking that you know I almost preemptively crossed him off. Like, well, he's not going to be there. And then it, it's going pick by pick. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Th- Wait a minute. This is something we talked about when we did our little mock draft with uh, with Vlad a few mm-hmm. weeks ago is that I think there is a consensus on who the top three are going to be. So Yakuna, yes. Yelich, Trout. Obviously, Cole jumps in there in your draft. Don't necessarily have a problem with it. Then I think it's kind of wide open. Like I think I, you agree. Could, I think you should make – like I, I'm going to make the argument that I think Bellinger's four. Uh, but – I'm not it's an argument going, to make, but but he's not the lockdown. Like if someone I'm tells you bets, I'm not going to beat up anybody for taking bets or taking yes. story or taking Lindor or taking Turner, taking or a pitcher. I, I just, yeah, I just don't. I don't think that the difference between and this is why, like, if I'm picking, uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm doing KDS, I, I rank one, two, three, and then I kind of prefer the middle, but I don't really care. Like it's, yeah, it really, I mean, that's fair. It just, especially early on, there's just a ton of, I mean, there's a ton of guys I really love that you're going to get all over the place. So it's just, it's, it's hard not to come out of the first three, four rounds with a, a quartet that you really like yeah, regardless of where you pick from. So it's, it's kind of crazy there. So yeah, Scherzer was my number one on the, uh, on my early SP rankings with the notion that uh, unless Cole stays with Houston, I would kind of. You know, I would keep him there, but he's not going to stay with Houston, so we'll see. So I took Verlander, and uh, and then I went three straight hitters. I went Rendon, Altuve, Robles. So do you I will worry say, about the power on your team 
I, if, I was literally about to say that. Yeah, yep. I mean, because I look at your team and I go, man, there is a lot of average on this team. There is a lot of speed on this team. If the ball gets deadened a little bit, though. Every year, dude, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I know what I'm doing. I'm not taking the big power guys. I think next year, I'm just taking, like, if you don't hit 30 homers, you're not on my list. I'm just not even going to, I'm not even going to put you on the list. Because, yeah, I think, I think I come out of this draft every year with this issue where I'm, where I'm light. And, um, you know, Rendon Altuve and Robles got nice power speed or a uh, nice uh, average speed group there. But where's the pop? And then I got Muncie at, at six round, but then I don't get much more pop for a while. And even then it's, it's kind of fleeting. So I feel you on that. I think that's a valid critique. And I, I think it, I think it carries throughout I, the rest of my draft. Yeah. I feel like you have a Talladega Knights team. First or last. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a, a middle of the pack team. This is this is either first or last. I mean, I love that <laughs> your pitching staff is ridiculously uh, uh, volatile. Yes. Like it's it it, it should, like the names on it look like you're going to run away with pitching. Verlander, uh, Sale, Kluber are my top three. <laughs> Well, then you even like you don't even get less risky with Montas and Domingo no. on. It just no. gets it just gets riskier. Uh, and then you add McCullers later on and Tanner Anderson. Uh, no, 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 Tanner Anderson's a fill-in, and I cannot remember who yeah, the hell he's because you also have Luis Valbuena, who is a fill-in, but I can't remember for who. That's for Luis Arise, and we oh, and we, yeah, that's right. we okay. did that on purpose to honor Valbuena, rest in peace. And uh, yeah, so some of the names that they didn't have, we were just picking names. So you, you'll see on, on the board some of these wild names. You'll be like, who the hell? Mm-hmm. The one that really is probably who the hell, you'll never guess. You would never. Yasel Atunia, who's that? Oh, God, I remember this one. Um, <laughs> I can't remember it. I came up with this one because uh, our, our, our proxy is like, who should I pick for this? I'm oh, like, okay. it's, it's just Stremsky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he put YAS, and I'm like, well, just pick this guy. Nobody knows who this guy is. So you'll see, and I cannot remember for the life of me who the hell Tanner Anderson is. Um, I can't remember either. Is there um, an Anderson? I think it's a Tanner, isn't it? Well, I didn't take Tanner Rainey in the 17th, did I? Actually, I might have. Shit. Yeah, I think you might have. Might have taken him thinking he might get the closer's job. Well, whatever. No, is it not Tanner Anderson? I don't know. It's not. It's definitely not Tanner Anderson because your draft took him too. In in the same round, in almost the same exact That's right, pick. And he was designated for assignment. I'm surprised they actually used him considering he was in the majors last year. So um, We knew that he wasn't picked. I mean... I guess it is fifty rounds, but yeah. nobody's well, I mean, taking Yasel. It, hopefully, it'll get fixed before we That's get to that true. point. So yeah, yeah, um, they, should, they should fill them in. Um, but I don't have my, I don't have my uh, MacBook here in the office to pull up my team so that I could know who the heck that actually is. Mm-hmm. But um, let me see if I can find it. It might be on Dropbox. But anyway, what what else you got for me as far as particular questions here? Mm-hmm. With uh, I'm a little worried about your outfield. So like another another fair consideration. I mean, I love Victor Robles. Don't have a problem with him going in the fourth round. I think people uh, may be a little shocked by that, but you kind of got to go look at the end of the season numbers and realize Nick Anderson. That's who it is. Ah, there you go. That's that. That's right. That that reminds me now. Um, But then you've got and I love Hunter Runfro and Mitch Haniger. 
there's still a lot of risk with Hunter Renfro and Mitch Hanniger. Yeah, I mean, Hanniger can't stay healthy. Yeah, he can't and, stay on the uh, field. Renfro, in spite of the fact he was, like, hitting a million home runs, still got benched uh, off and on. Uh, his average was decimated. I mean, yeah. it was home run or, or literally nothing. Now, Birdie can play in the outfield, and then I took Kyle Lewis, Garrett Cooper, and Mike Talkman as well. Like, so, but that's and, not and star Kingery, power. Right? Kingery can play in the outfield. Yeah, I do like the positional flexibility. And one of the things I was talking about with my team, you've got that as well with Muncie, yep. uh, Kingery, uh, Birdie. So I, I think you've got a number of guys who can move around quite a bit. I just worry, especially if with, with a guy like Hanniger and even a guy like Robles who's been hurt off and on uh, mm-hmm. early on in his career. And Kyle Lewis, who's got a long history of injury history, and Garrett Cooper, who <laughs> spent a lot of time on the IL this year. We out here risking, dog. You're you're really setting yourself up for really thin outfield, where you're going to probably end up having to draft like ten outfielders just to cover. Yeah, and I I will make sure that I have uh, outfield depth for sure. You mentioned Garrett Cooper was great in his 107 games, but it was 107 games, mm-hmm. and so. Um, and, you know, I don't hate my draft, but I the, the two things that you pointed out are exactly what I saw the, the second I was done with the draft. I was like, I'm power light, and that outfield is kind of ugly, um, at least right now. And it's a lot of if, 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 if. Huge uh, I get upside on your team, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean you have to – you're going to have to see that. I mean, it's just when you've got Altuve in the third, Chris Sale in the fifth – Corey Kluber in the seventh. I mean, we, we're talking about a ton, a ton of upside uh, on this team. Like, there's a path for it to go right. There's a path for it to go very, very right. And yeah. there's a very there's a very good path that's going to go horribly wrong. Sure, um, no doubt, no doubt. And that's why you said Talladega Knights team, first, if you're not first, you're last. Um, not to rehash the entire conversation, but I took Seeger in the ninth. Yeah, what the hell and, were you and, thinking? I was thinking I like to make good picks. What are you talking about? <laughs> the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I took we Seager just and... had like a two-hour two-hour conversation about why we're not drafting Corey Seager ever again. No, uh, you said that. I said there's still upside there. And pick one thirty-three. Come on, um, he went in the eighth round of your draft, so I got him cheaper than than that one. I will say this, right? For all the talk, just because there of... was a drunk person in my draft doesn't mean you need to get drunk in yours. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I swear. Um, I don't know, like, I did start to feel a little bit of a drop-off at shortstop. Now, really, See, you're not I didn't going... feel that at all. I, yeah, I, I know you're not going to agree, especially because of the, your, your outlook on Seager, and I guess I still hold some of that upside for him, but Lux went the next round. I could have easily, I, I would have been fine with Lux, and I, I had two, I could have taken him. I could have taken, um, mm-hmm. well, and what I should have done, and I did mess up on the Seager pick, and I'll, t- I'll tell you 100% why. Should have been paying attention. Paul DeYoung was still available. Shut up. And realizing that team 14 and 15 had shortstops. They weren't going to take him, especially 15. He had Mm -hmm. two shortstops. And I desperately wanted Oscar Mercado. Oh, yeah. See, that would have made your And he went the very next pick. Yeah, that would have made your outfield look a hell of a lot better. So what what if I go Mercado, Seager there, and I don't have Montas? How do you feel about that? I mean, I'd prefer if you go Mercado Montas. Montas, obviously. I yeah, I would much prefer that. That was a big error, and I was very angry with myself. Mm-hmm. And the, for well, not that's also the hard part to 
do when you're kind of in that live draft and and we're, we're you know, especially and stuff. this early and you're not paying attention to things as as much my whole thing about like don't get me wrong like if you feel that seager is a okay value in round nine that's all well and good I, I just have a hard time seeing the names at shortstop that are still on the board when you take seager and you know I, all jokes aside about paul DeYoung, i mean Scott sure kingery you get him later so i guess it works out well, i will say i did have kingery on on, on my mind but always to put him in the outfield because I was seeing the lack of yeah. outfield that, that you also acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't find shortstop. Like I, I, I was still when I think I took uh, Willie Adamas in, you know, one of, as one of my last picks. 20th yeah, round. 20th yeah. round. Like, and I felt like, wow, I'm getting Willie Adamas in the 20th round. And it's still, there's still guys on the board where I'm like, well, he could play shortstop for me, I guess if I needed so, it. Uh, Lux. Guriel Jr. Actually, I don't think he qualifies anymore. So if I say somebody wrong, it's because we're using uh, these are old. Well, and I don't stickers. know that Lux even qualifies. Oh yeah, that's a great point. He's that's gonna a be great point. Base. He's going to be second base only. So Swanson, Segura, DeYoung, Kingery, Newman, Adamas, Gregorius are the guys that that went there. And again, I think it just comes down to the fact that you see Seager a lot closer to them. Mm-hmm. Than I do. Yeah, like I'd much rather have Kevin Newman than uh, at, at the cost at, yeah. at 17th round well, cost versus. Well, I think the cost plays a role. No, it does. Sure, but in general, I think I'm going to have Newman ranked above Corey Seager. Okay, respect. And I, I mean, I don't know why. It, and that that may say more about Kevin Newman than it says about Corey Seager, but. We're talking about a guy that what went fifteen fifteen and hit three hundred last year and is going to hit mm-hmm. the top of the lineup. Yeah, and that uh, is that better than you know it put Seager down for like twenty just just put him two? down for a positive thing two ninety twenty five and two. Do you want three hundred fifteen fifteen? Fair. Yeah, I'll take the three hundred fifteen fifteen. Fair. Now the difference could be runs the runs and ribbies. Yeah. Well, Newman but, probably gets more runs. Seager probably gets more RBIs. It's but probably then there's a, a wash. big cost difference. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, and then you add in well. the fact that what you got him in the ninth, he went in the eighth and mine. I got Newman in the seventeenth, and he went in the seventeenth and mine. Yeah, I just think I I, I don't understand. I enjoy I I I, I echo your Newman love. I I'm not as hateful toward uh, toward Seager as you. I have a question for you. Um, Garver was the only catcher I took, and you took one as well, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about them with a neutral ball? Both of them, Garner and Will Smith. Uh, I mean, I think I, – I, I don't feel awful. About, I, I think Will Smith I feel better about. I feel like they're the, the path to playing times easier. There's not other got, catchers on the team that they're going to rotate in and out. It just seems like Garver is going to get more days off than maybe we would like him to. Uh, and so, I feel like he could play – Elsewhere, no. Well, Garver? Wait, Bruce is coming back. I think. I think he has a team option. Yeah, that's already been picked up. I was going to say he could play some DH games. Um, yeah, no. He's... For Garver. Okay. Yeah, and listen, <laughs> I never was, thought. This is insane. He had, he had 31 home runs and 359 yeah, I never thought he was going to repeat that. I never, never thought that. So, uh, I, I think the, uh, the uh, I think these are original steamer projections of 
Uh, 17 home runs, 253 average seems a lot more like probably the true talent level. And maybe we maybe we split the difference and say he's a 25 homer guy with like a 260 next year. In, in 420 plate appearances, because he yeah. missed some time too, I believe. It wasn't just that he, he was yeah, getting he, squeezed by I Castro. Say concussion issue? I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, they they still have Astadio, who people seem to not want to, uh, you know, quit. Um, yeah, I think Jason Castro Castro's... is gone though. He's, oh, is Castro gone? I'm so they'd have gone. to re-sign him. So Garver is the the main catcher as of right now. Um, yeah, if I can get, I'm looking for a volume increase as far as the playing time for Garver, more so than thinking that he's going to repeat another, like you said, 31 homers into 359 plate appearances. That's just stupid. But let's talk quickly about Smith, who came out on fire, just absolutely decimating the league, then fell in the pit of hell. Bottom line was, though, he still had a 907 OPS. So, mm-hmm. however you slice it, it still ended up strong. Do you like him to be a a four hundred plus plate appearance guy next year? I do. I think they're going to give him free reign. Uh, the Austin Barnes uh, experiment seems to be over. Russell Martin should uh, shouldn't be back. Uh, I think. Yeah. It's, obviously, yeah. He he crashed a little bit towards the end of the year, but it's a long season for catcher. Uh, he he played a lot. So uh, I, I love the double digit walk rates. The mm-hmm. you know and the fact that. In, in, in spite of kind of the struggling at the end, his, his strikeout rate was only at 26%. So um, I think this is a guy that, yeah, could get 400 plate appearances next year, get 25 home runs, post a good average. And I just feel like it's a pretty safe floor, and the, the counting stats should be pretty nice as well. So uh, I'm a big fan. I think he's going to be top seven for me at catcher next year. Yeah, if, if, if the market chills on him a bit because of the brutal September with Will Smith, I'm I'm here to buy, and I think I think your league kind of did. Thirteenth round is not bad. I mean, the aforementioned Estadio went above him, yeah. which I don't agree with. Travis Dionaro went above. Him. <laughs> yeah, three, four, five, six, seven, Sal eight. Perez coming off of nine. You got him as the yeah. You got him as uh, eyeballing it. I think you got him as the tenth catcher. Yeah, I, that's nice, I'm, dude. I'm yeah, I'm super happy with that. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, I like that. But anyway, I wrote up first 11 rounds yesterday. I said the next 12 would come today, but I forgot we were doing a pod, so they'll come tomorrow, uh, meaning Friday. But any other questions about my draft? Okay, not necessarily about your drafts, your team specifically. You okay. mentioned uh, that you felt like shortstop dropped off. For me, it felt like corner infield dropped off. Oh, that's a very, very fair critique of, was, of how the draft went. Yep. It was it felt brutal. Yep. Uh, after it got scary. Yeah, and I and I didn't fill my corner infield because of it. I just kept going. Well, I'm just going to go a different direction. Um, <laughs> Maybe another time. Hopefully, something shakes out by the time we start this draft back up again in January. Because, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm in some trouble. <laughs> in I've of... got, you know, I mentioned my outfield with uh, putting Kingery there. I actually have Kingery in my corner right now as my team is listed. I have Muncie in, as my third baseman. I want Muncie first, Rendon third, Kingery corner. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, you're you're not wrong there because I was like, oh boy, like yeah. I don't know how much I trust 
X, Y, and Z here. And um, so that's why I think I threw I threw Kingery in there. And we'll see how it goes. Does Listella have anything but second base? Uh, he has third base. Yeah, he should have so he third, could easily yeah. be there. I don't think – obviously the ball helped him un- unquestionably, uh, 16 homers in 80 games. But I also think that he made some changes to extract some of that power and, and take advantage of the ball. I think he's more of a 16 homers in a full season type of guy, but with a big average, and he can have some good runs and ribbies if that Angels team pans out. I could see putting Tommy LaStella in my corner as well. Yeah, I think the question becomes, is he a full-time player coming into next season? Well, with Joe Madden, Trout might not even be a full-time player. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, the, I'll say no to, to the answer your question. No, I don't think so because that's just not how Madden rolls. And so outside of basically Trout, who who will be? Nobody, right? Yeah, I think, well, <laughs> Albert Pujols. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> God. they don't have a choice. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Upton, if he, if he Upton, is healthy. Upton's healthy. Uh, and Joe Adele, assuming once he's up, he's, he'll be a full-time guy. But, but even that, they'll, they'll give some guys off. You know, I don't think they're just going to stick with three outfielders and, and make it that way for five straight months. He'll give guys days off their feet and whatnot. So. Sure, but Cole Calhoun, I believe, is a free agent. He is, indeed, so, yes. I mean, there, there's going to be some openings, and they, they obviously can address stuff in free agency because it's, like, it's, yeah, and I think a team that is going to be looking to spend a fair amount. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, my big issue with, with Lestella, I think, is I don't know that he's got a full-time role locked up. Well, that's why he's a 23rd rounder, though. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and he's coming um, off the injury, too, I think. Yes, but, but your point on the corner, um, you want to have your first and third baseman, I think – before round 10 or else you're going to yeah. really start to see some things kind of dry up and wonder where you're going to go. Yeah. I think if I had to redo it, maybe I would have looked at taking Pete Al- or well, no, I guess Alonzo went before Alvarez. Uh, maybe I would have looked at taking Alonzo before Tatis. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I, I mean, I really like the way my kind of team came out. So I'm, yeah. and, and I feel like there is still, I think, Outfield is relatively deep. Uh, pitching is definitely relatively deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, catcher feels, which is crazy to say, because we've talked about in the years past, where the last few years, where it's like, oh, you know, catcher dries up it's really quick. Four guys are bust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas I feel like, I mean, Yadier Molina went in the 17th round of mine. Uh, Danny Jansen, who was like a ninth round pick last year, oh went in the 20th. God. I was part of that. Sorry, y'all. I was too. So, um, Gross. Uh, but it feels like first and third base, especially, uh, dries up really, really fast. And there's a number of guys that you think you can get at a pretty decent discount. And, and Josh Donaldson went in the ninth round of my draft. Miguel Sano, who I love, went in the 10th round. Uh, but like, those there, there's only a few of those targets, you know, at third base, and it doesn't really feel like there's any of those targets at first. It feels like first really just, you know, crashes and burns. I mean, well, especially because you want such a premium player at yeah. first. Uh, a lot of these guys, once you start to get past like 15, 16, 17 at first base, they're great for corner, but you don't want them as your number one guy. For sure. Uh, <laughs> where did Joey Votto go in your <laughs> Oh my God! Let me see. Uh, he went in the fifteenth round of mine. He 15th went in the twelfth round of yours. Years. Twelve. Jeez. 
So I never know. considered him, dude. I ne- and I maybe we, you know, last year's bombs type of deal, but mm-hmm. never considered in him. In the 15th round, that just seems like such a good I mean, at worst he's going to hit I mean, at worst he's going to be like Miggy, right? He's yeah, if he's average. living there, if he's living in the 13th, 15th round range for Votto, I'll have some shares. I won't I won't quit him fully. I just won't. But as far as this draft goes, he wasn't really somebody I was eyeing. Um, of course, once I had Rendon and Muncie, I wasn't as worried about it. But imagine, you know, that could have been nice to put Votto in corner. Yeah, that's. You know? I mean, especially if you're if you're hurting for average, that's a, you know, he's a guy that can kind of come and fill in pretty easily. So, and, um, and the team that took him in my draft had. Uh, Chris Davis, so that with a K, so that kind of fit really well. I sh- I don't need to say with a C, with a K or C. Someone we said know that it. in my draft they went Chris Davis with a K, and I guess well I guess I don't really need to say with a K yeah. anymore. Look, uh, Oakland Davis had a tough season. He's still nowhere near having to say the K versus the C. How much well, was on that deal? Oh God, dude, it's gross. Hang on, I, should we put this on like? A paywall because it's graphic content. It's explicit. He's owed $23 million a year for the next three seasons. That's disgusting, dude. <laughs> That's so gross. So, so, so bad. I mean, and then they also owe Alex Cobb $29 million over the next two years. If you add, which you, you would never do, but just if you added his OPS pluses the last two years for Chris Davis with a C, it's 109. They only have two players on a guaranteed contract for next year, and it's Chris and Davis. And it's those two? Cobb. Sick, dude. Sick. <laughs> $37 million between those two players. Everybody else is either arbitration eligible or not yet eligible for arbitration. Oh, my God. Well, Tigers fans should chill out laughing too hard because of our Miggy deal. But uh, Oh, I, I, like, I don't even want it. Like, it's really it's, nice having this team payroll thing on roster resource on, on, our, our, on Fangraphs now. It's so good. Um, it's I, like it's just so much easier than having to go to, like COTS contracts or anything like mm. that. Oh, I just pulled up. I just pulled up uh, the Giants. Oh my God, so Wait, much oh, money. Oh. What kind of commitment do, do they have? Oh my God. Um, they with players with guaranteed contracts for 2020. Johnny Cueto, 22 million dollars. Cool. Uh, Buster Posey, 22 million dollars. Jeff Samarja, 19.8 million dollars. He earned Brandon, it this year if he repeated. Yeah, Brandon Belt, sixteen million dollars. Brandon <clears throat> Crawford, fifteen million dollars, which I'm, I'm fine with. Um, well, you love Brandon Crawford. You you wouldn't care if that defender. was twenty five. Like I know fifteen million dollars for his defense up the middle. I'll, I'll take that. Whatever. But um, Evan uh, he's a rebound. If he puts up another year like last year. Crawford's not worth it. What's Longoria cost? Fifteen million dollars. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six players with at least fifteen million dollars owed this year. The the only one is that as a free agent is probably the best deal of them all, which is Marja. He's a free agent in two thousand twenty-one. Um. Um, Okay, so we the Tigers have two, but they're for fifty-five million total, and it's Miggy and Zimmerman. (laughs) Oh my God! Okay, well we should end because uh, we're just depressing yeah, people this is, this ourselves. Is sad. Yeah. But uh, the draft was fun. It was great hanging out with you, man. Hey, it's great hanging with uh, you. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow, so everybody go say happy, happy birthday. birthday to your wife for sure, and mine a few days after that next Thursday. Your wife's? We, no, my birthday. Oh, 
It's next Thursday, right? So, wish Daniel a happy birthday tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Come back around in a week and wish me a happy birthday. We'll be be recording, right? We're going to record on your birthday? Let's do it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right, man. Well, great talking with you, and we'll be back next week. Take it easy.